Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Would you like to contribute to the conversation? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition conversation was in. Jay Talking with Bradley Jay. I listen to morning with the sun up. I'm busy. WBZ News Radio 1030. I tune my radio to AM 1030. The radio's all yours now. I talk to a man whose name is Bradley J. Improved my mind in a wonderful way. I just called in to see what condition conversation was in. Yeah, yeah. Peasy, you're Jay talking. We're live midnight to five. We're very live right now. I'm excited. We're going to rock and roll a little bit. Stephen Cookchen is in, who is a superstar, Boston Globe reporter, among other things. A 40-year vet of the Boston Globe and uh, paper's former Washington bureau chief, founding member of its investigative spotlight team. And he has won more than 25 national and regional awards, including Pulitzer Prize on three occasions. And he went to Suffolk Law, lives in Boston, and he is now here, which is a big deal. Thanks a lot. Great to be here. And you're here because it is coming up to the anniversary of Woodstock, and you're one of the people who actually was there. You really were there. You didn't just pretend you were there. You have documentation. <laughs> I have documentation. That you were there. I found my press card. Uh, they misspelled my name, but uh, I made it out there. How cool is it to have a press card? I know that from, from Woodstock. I, I'm, I'm surprised I kept that. But I, I did, and I have that framed with a uh, the one appreciative note I got uh, from a from a from a reader uh, came in a couple of days after I got back, and she said uh, great coverage. The other papers were negative from the start, and yours were not. Uh, and then she ended it right on. And I, <laughs> I love that. Right, right on. Right that's on. Right. <laughs> so you went, and you were you were kind of working, kind of not. You yeah. walked the line. It it changed. From hour to hour, whether you were working or, or there on your own, right. and um, you, what did you take with you? Just your reporter's pad, and did you take any food, any sleeping bag? What were you? Yeah, what was your there gear? Was, I, I bought a, a sleeping bag from a friends of a uh, friends of mine. Um, <laughs> she always complained that I uh, hadn't cleaned it when I gave it back, but it didn't need to be. It uh, it, it served me well. Uh, I didn't go to coverage. Uh, I went to uh, enjoy it. Uh, the Globe uh, had uh, had told me I joined the Globe and I had gotten to the B staff after a year, and they said to me you had to take a summer, you had to take a week off during the summer, and I had been down to cover Senator Kennedy's accident in Chappaquiddick, and uh, you know I told them I, you know I'm going to be going back to law school uh, nights. Uh, I better I'd rather not take a week off during the summer. I'd rather stay at work, and they told me no, you had. Staff, that's a union, rule. Rule of union rule. You got to take the summer week. So, I looked in the Globe. I no, I looked in the New York Times. In fact, and I saw uh, this concert uh, that was up in um, uh, I forget where at the beginning Monticello, uh, 
up out, about 90 miles out, outside of New York. And I thought to myself, the who? Janis Joplin? Crosby, Sills, Nash, and Young? Richie Havens? I want to be there. So it's, at the time, it was just a really good concert. It was a terrific concert. It, and no I, one had a clue that it was going to become the uh, thing it no, was. I heard that it was going to be 80,000 people were going to be there. I said, that's fine. Um, so you already had tickets before you were assigned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was going. I went. I, I looked over to a, a Northeastern intern who was in the newsroom with me at the Globe at the time with me. And I said to him, Mark, uh, what do you think? Would you like to go? And well, you know, I'm going to drive up. He said, let's do it. So uh, we drove up on a Friday morning, got uh, outside of the where we were supposed to be, uh, Bethel, New York, um, and uh, got there around 3, and that's where traffic set in. And we were probably about 10 miles away from the actual site, but nothing was moving. So, 10 I, miles? 10 miles, yeah. yeah. Maybe 7 miles, maybe 5 okay, miles. Okay, 10-ish. It was 10-ish. Did you just pull right over pull and Pull right over and I left my two-cylinder two, uh, two Saab by the side of the road, uh, took the key and, and walked and started our way. And we got there, probably got there around 5, 5.30. How long was the walk? Maybe three hours? Oh, no, about two, two and a half. Two because and a half we were hour. getting on and off. Okay. Emergency vehicles were coming through. All right. I mean, the place was just jammed with kids. And uh, so we get up to the site. We walked up a road, and we got to the top and looked down, and all the fences were torn down. And, and the kids were just swarming. Everybody was just swarming in. And Mark and I looked at each other befuddled, and I said, I remember saying this to Mark. Mark, this is a story, which uh, as later in life I figured out, that's what we do in our professions. We see things from our training as a professional, and I saw it as a story. And I said, I better find out. I better go to the press tent and find out what, what's going on. So I went to the press tent and uh, called in and was told it's a hell of a story. It's not 80000 it's 400000 Getting in, did you need to use your ticket? Nothing. It was all knocked down by the time they had, and that was one of the first announcements they made from the stage. It is now a free concert. This is now the third largest city in New York. About what time did you pass through what used to be the gate? Oh, probably around four thirty, five o'clock. And and I said, I I better go to the press tent. And I went to the press tent. It was a large tent, and the tables were all set out in little press releases on each group. But nothing about what was going on right at the moment, which was total chaos. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I said to the woman, I said, where are the organizers? And she said, I think they're at the at the bandstand, which was still under construction. So I said, um, can I use your phones? Because they had a bank of phones, about 15 phones. Pay phones. Pay phones, but with a, what they was called the watch line. You pick it up. I remember that. Uh, yeah. what, what was a watch line? I forget. I have, I have no idea what it said. It free? For. Yeah, it was free. Yeah, and you would give them whatever number you were calling, and they uh, it was the one number. It was the make a make a uh, out of state call. So uh, got to the Globe's newsroom, and they, I said, it's Steve Kirch, and I'm at Woodstock here, and this place is, it's chaotic. So uh, the city editor sent me to a rewrite uh, writer. Uh, Jim Stack, who's a, you know, a seasoned rewrite guy, and he says, uh, Kirkton, he says, you're there? And I says, yeah, I just walked in. He says, start filing. And I says, Jim, file what? And he says to me, file a story. I says, what's the story? Because all I know is there's 400,000 people and right. nothing's going on. It's but just people, a concert. It's so. just people swarming around, just you can't move. So he says, well, the, the governor Rockefeller has shut down the thruway, 
and he's going to, uh, you know, it's chaos there. He's going to be worried about it turning into a Vietnam War protest. Now, the backstory is that I had covered Vietnam War protests in Boston, which, you know, that was the period. That was my assignment back in the day. And I knew what, a, and this was not a Vietnam War protest. These were their younger brothers and sisters. And I said, Jim, I don't think so. This is not a protest. This is, the, the, he says, you, they've called off the concert. I said, no, the young woman says, no, it's still going on. So he says, you better get somebody official. So I said, okay, I'll be right back to you. And I, the first and only time I went to the bandstand, I walked up to the bandstand and found one. You mean of the, the stage? Old, uh, the stage, yeah. Like front, back? I think it was to the front, to the side. And you yelled up, hey, is this going to happen? Yeah, no, I, I, I see Kirkton from the Boston Globe. <laughs> For 40 plus years, it's been my open sesame. And I said, um, can you um, can you help me here? I'm, you know, they're telling me the thing has been is going to be shut down by the governor, by Governor Rockefeller. And the man said, "No." And he says, "He says no. If we shut this down, that would be a riot. It would cause a riot." And I said, and he gave me his name and in his his in his title, uh, and I went around and could see that they were getting ready. They were yeah. getting ready to have a performance. And while it was chaos back at the press tent, because that's right where the kids were swarming in, it was not around the around the, the, the stage. That that was being assembled. And you could see they were frantically putting it together. I looked around to see if I could see. So now you're talking form of 5 o'clock, 5.30? Now it's about coming into 6, 6.30. 6.30. Yeah, and so I go back and I, uh, I give my information to Jim. And he says, okay, okay, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. So, which means he'll go with my account exactly. that they're not calling it off. So I said, Jim, they couldn't call it off. They cannot. There's just too many. It would cause a riot here. And so uh, they went with that. And well, thankfully, uh, and then it just turned into a, a very big rock and roll. Concert. So there's a, there's a moment you know that it's really go, right. really green. Yeah. That's when you heard Richie Haven start up. Uh, oh, that was uh, that was intense. Where I, were you that moment? I, I, I had wandered out. and I was getting quotes. I wanted to get locals, you know, Boston Globe. You want to get people from Massachusetts. And they were there. You, you pluck them. Every third person seemed to become from Situate or Cohasset or, mm -hmm. or a Dorchester like I did. And so I, um, I I had worked my way into the audience, and then all of a sudden... Behind I, you? Yeah, yeah, into the audience, which is in front of the, yeah. the, the, the stage. And uh, all of a sudden, um, the announcer... There was one guy who was seemed to be the... It wasn't, um, it wasn't Lang. It was somebody else, a younger, a younger guy who did the announcing for most of the Right, the guy days. in the movie that says, 10 years after, <laughs> yeah, he, that guy? Yeah, he, and he didn't do much, of, of, but he was the same guy all the time. Yeah. So he comes on and he says, ladies and gentlemen, Richie Havens. And I had, I had heard Richie Havens with a great friend, my late great friend, Arthur Jones. Um, I had heard uh, Richie Havens with Arthur at a concert in on the Cape a month or so before, and, you know, there's no one who could hit a good acoustic guitar with such you know, verve, such liveliness, and that growl of a voice. And uh, it it was off. It was a magic. The magic carpet had begun. It was flying. And the the, the crowd responded? Oh, applied, yeah. Big time? Yeah, and Richie responded. And you, I didn't see it at the time, but you can see it in the movie, which is a terrific documentary if you any time to watch, um, and you see how astonished he was by the size uh, of the audience and 
he had tamed them with that, with that performance skills of his, with that voice, with that, he had tamed them. And he, he, he just got it. And then he didn't start with um, uh, his signature song, uh, Here Comes the Sun. But he, 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 when he got into that, it was, it was, we were off. He started off with Freedom, right? Yeah, Freedom. Was it, was it Freedom? Yeah, Freedom. 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 Right. Uh-huh. And so, folks, try to understand this is uh, 400,000 is maybe slightly over 12 Fenway Parks. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 11 Fenway Parks. Yeah. It, Something it, crazy yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And it was, once you started, it was just, there was no space. You were sleeping next to people whom you're never going to see again. Never, you never saw before, and you just you talked. Where did you get your food? You get, you know, where the water is. Uh, there's bathrooms over there, and you know, oh hello, how, where are you from? What are you doing? How long? You so been socially, there? it was really cool. It was really cool. It was real, it was a wonderful, easy, very easy uh, socially, except for the weather, right? Which was uh, a, an awful <laughs> experience. I want to get to the 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 larger meaning of this thing, but. First, let me ask you, what did you look like back then? Did you have big sideburns, glasses? Yeah, I uh, <laughs> had a lot more hair. Um, I had a, a mutton chop uh, sideburns, and I had a very bushy mustache. Uh, but the mustache got gray, and I didn't need other things showing that I was getting older in life, so I took off the mustache. All right. And just for the details... What kind of a style guy with you were you? Were you a bell bottom jean no, shirt guy? No, no, no. Regular Levi's. No, what, what, what did you Le- wear? Uh, uh, I was Levi's, and there used to be uh, my favorite store. Of course, was Army Navy store in Central in Central Square, and I'd go in there, and I'd, that's where I get my um, my Levi's shirt. Okay, uh, a soft blue shirt. And uh, what I hated about shirts at the day at the time is that they. If they didn't have button-down collars, the collars just flayed all over the place. <laughs> so, God, I hate that too. <laughs> I never could get that right. <laughs> so, okay. so starting to wear ties, that, that, that solved everything. Okay. So we are going to get into the, the, the search for the meaning of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's, there's a, a myth kind of taking a whole sense this, that it was uh, – these folks were trying to change the world. Yeah. And we'll address that. But key, crucial to this is Dylan was not there, right. and that was upsetting to you. As far as your story goes, why? Well, because um, I was trying to get, you know, a reporter on the scene is covering all the detail, and you're trying to get to what's the larger issue here. You know, there are 400,000 kids hanging out, being together, surviving the storm and the lack of food or the lack of sanitary um, uh, facilities, there's got to be a larger meaning here, a sociological meaning, maybe a political meaning to it. And, in fact, there wasn't. Uh, but I was searching for it. And I, long, you know, 40 miles away uh, with the band, playing with the band, practicing with the band, Bob Dylan was making uh, the Big Pink, and I um, wanted uh, a year. I thought he would come down. He would come down, and he would explain it all to us. Uh, he had been explaining everything else from 1962 to 69. Nothing made sense then. You know, we we had lost, uh, you know, almost 50,000 men. 
young men and women uh, to Vietnam. And uh, the only way we could try to stop it was to make protests. And this was an affirmative statement. And I thought, maybe there's a bridge here. I didn't figure it out. I didn't know what it was. But I wanted it, someone to say it. And I thought an, an oracle like Dylan would have, would have figured it out and would have told us as he came down there. And then I would have been able to quote him, put it in the paper, and you know, put a bow on this event. But it never, he didn't do that. So he didn't do your hard work for you? He did not. He did not you, give, you had to figure it out yourself. I, I had to figure it out myself. <laughs> and in fact, as I watched the, uh, the tape again, uh, Max Yasger, who was the owner of the farm, who get, let the, 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 the event happen on his farm, uh, he figured it out. And he said that, you know, they told me not to do this. Uh, financially, it wasn't going to work out for me, and it hasn't. But I felt that uh, you kids deserve to have your music. We had our day, and he was an older man, my age now, and he said, we had our day, and you kids deserve to have yours. And I, I feel honored to be able to give you the space for you guys to be together. And you've, you've respected it. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I've felt nothing but uh, honored uh, by what, you, what you've done as a, as a, as a community. So uh, everyone told me in the community wasn't good, wouldn't bring, it wouldn't bring any good to our community, and it has. What a great legacy for Max Yasger. Max Yasger, you know, you know uh, an unrecognized American, uh, but uh, he allowed it to happen. And, um, and, you know, if anyone's name should be, you know, should be up there as a, as a star performer, it's his. So the folks that try to attribute a we're going to change the world motive to all this, they're wrong. Well, It was mostly, hey, we're going to have a party. We're going to have a party, and we're going to do it together, and we're going to survive all the, the, all the BS that you throw at us and all the troubles and all the, the cops were fine. You know, the state police were, you know, were enjoying it, the, getting to know kids as well as I was or anybody would be. Um, the, it, but there was no food. There was no water. There was no faci- uh, facility, no showers. But people got along, you know, and food came finally. And facilities, you know, toilet facilities came finally. And uh, people didn't all stay until Monday's, Jimi Hendrix um, and, uh, and Shanana's performances, they, they didn't need to. Uh, to have been there and to have had a good time and to have, let me just say, survived uh, the, uh, the conditions, you felt you, you had seen something terrific and you had seen the performers of our generation of a lifetime. You know, Janis Joplin, the who? Right, and they were all... Jazzed, electrified by the oh, by uh, the moment. Is unbe- Probably saw him at a peak. Yeah, uh, I, except I, for Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Yeah, they just didn't. Uh, I I had gotten into them, uh, and especially Neil Young, and uh, their melodics were terrific. But I, they just in the night air, the Saturday night air, just wasn't pitch perfect. Uh, 
yet, and they ended that night's concert. And then Sunday morning, Saturday night was still very hot. And uh, so you finally got, we, I finally got to bed. Uh, um, and uh, You had your sleeping bag. Had my sleeping bag. What, what was the situation? Were you in a, on a grassy knoll? Were you in mud? Were you, you in, in a- Mostly in mud. You're trying at that point because it rained late Saturday afternoon and it stopped around 7. By night, it was still misty and hot, uh, but uh, you, it was still muddy. So you're just trying to find a place where you didn't, you know, you weren't just getting all mucked up. You could have, a, you know. You could so you didn't. You you were wet and muddy. Yeah. You could yeah. not have slept at all. No, I slept. I slept. You fine. did. I slept. Fine. Really? <laughs> I could never sleep in those conditions. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I got up at uh, nine o'clock to uh, Gracie Slick, and uh, yeah, you hear the the guitars. Just beginning to twang, just beginning to get powered, and she says, "Good morning, Woodstock," and and she hits. I don't remember the song she hit, but there was Gracie Slack, who I never seen perform, um, and uh, it was electrifying. It was the, I, for me, hearing uh, for the for both the performer and the moment of hitting the right time. She was the right person at the right time. Did the crowd respond physically? Like, uh, yeah, stood, like yeah, whoa! Yeah, yeah f- they woke up. Yeah, they woke up. <laughs> woke up with one great surge, and it was a beautiful morning. For the first time, it was cool. Uh, the, uh, there was a breeze, and you felt we you did made it. it through the night. We made it's it through a new day. We made it through night. We made it through the storm. Yeah, and um, and we're going to survive. We're going to have some fun today. And Sunday was terrific. Now during all this. Uh, We've gotten you to Saturday morning, and Grace Slick starting the day, and everyone's reinvigorated. Yeah, Sunday morning. That's Sunday. Yeah. Oh, Sunday yeah. morning. Yeah. And all this time you're working. How often are you filing? Where are you filing? Yeah. yeah. And what are you telling them? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, at the time, the Globe had AMs and PM papers, uh, but we did not have a Saturday PM. So my first story was the fact that the that the concert was happening and it turned into an, uh, an event and uh, that was in Saturday's paper. Sunday paper is a bigger paper um, but I have all day to gather my information. I had met up with a reporter from a local newspaper, the Monticello, I think it's called the Monticello Record, and he told me that they had eight reporters around the, the site covering and they were all filing somehow or another into a central office, teletype machine at their office. I guess this guy was an editor, and he said, if you can get there, you can see what all our files is, because I wanted to make sure that I didn't, wasn't missing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, was there going to be, uh, was it going to be extended, or was it whatever? Some was, had somebody bailed out, somebody new coming. So I said, well, how far is your office? Five miles. So I hitched a ride, walked, and I went into the office Saturday morning, mid-morning, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and I read everything that they had filed so far, as long as I gave them credit. I don't think I used anything, but I saw they didn't have much more than I At least did. you knew you weren't missing anything. I wasn't missing anything, and that's what I needed to know, uh, making sure. I didn't want I didn't want to uh, call in at 4 o'clock and file my story and be told, no, there's a big event happening that you're not catching. And the reporter at the scene does not like to know that the AP or another newspaper has got something that she doesn't, he or she doesn't. So, um, so I went about writing my then my Sunday story, which was a story that the event had taken place. People were still getting along, and 
the event was happening and it, it had become a 400,000 uh, community, person community, and uh, something remarkable sociologically had happened that people were, were, were dealing with the crises of the conditions. And were, so the society at the time was put to a test. Young society was put to a test. Yes. And they, they passed. They passed well, later wonderfully. On, later on, in 1999, young society was put to another test. Well, what was that? That was Woodstock 3, and they, they failed. Right, right. It wasn't just young society. It was the whole thing, both sides, uh, right. big business. It just didn't work. Right, right, right. right. And you, I did not go to either of the successive events. Why did you choose to not I, go? I guess, um, I guess I didn't like the lineups, that, uh, and, um, for, mostly. And secondly, I didn't Santana think— Santana was there. Well, he's At a least fan. at the 94 at one. The 94 one. 94 one. Uh, we did cover it. Uh, I believe Renee Graham, who's a global columnist now, went to it, and we talked about uh, it when she got back. Um, beyond Santana, I I didn't like, right. didn't think that there was nothing compelling there for me, uh, and I had moved on by that time. I was uh, had a family and you know couldn't didn't have a two cylinder sob that I could ramble up there with, so uh, I didn't go and. Um, Yet all these years later, I felt that I should write some memorial piece about what it was all about. And I did on the 40th, uh, 10 years ago. I went back. And uh, they didn't have an event there, but I wanted to see uh, what it, what Yazgur's field had turned into. What had it turned into? It, it, they've, got a, they've got a museum up there. And as the, I wrote a piece, and I started with the, what the first the ticket taker said to me, and he said to me... Uh, have you been here before? And I looked at him as if he must know I had covered it. So I said, well, of course, in fact, I have 40 years ago. And he said, oh, no, I asked that to everyone. Uh, and they thought, oh, don't. <laughs> but there was a concert that night. And they have a, a smaller state, a smaller um, arena type uh, outdoor uh, um, performance area. And Dylan and uh, was there, as was... Um, uh, let me see. Um, Dylan and... Mellencamp. Mellencamp. John Mellencamp, I'm sorry. And Mellencamp was... And they were terrific. Uh, but it, they weren't they weren't catching lightning in a bottle yeah. like it happened. You know, it was just another event for them, another performance for them. Uh, and that's what was missing, is their being astonished by the uh, the event, which, which it was. You know, you didn't have... You didn't have 400,000 people showing up and, you know, loving the rock and roll. Couldn't, you know, it was, it was immense, the, the devotion to rock and roll that you had to show up there, uh, to, to go and to withstand all the conditions. It sounds like you're telling me that all of the artists registered awe when they got up there and a and, certain humbleness, not the usual, I'm a rock star, I'm... It's all about me. It was a little bit more about, about, oh my God, this is kind of about you. Yeah, and that comes clear in the movie, in the documentary. Uh, and you know, I wasn't close enough to see it, but you can see when they walk up and they get onto the performance stage and they look out. It's remarkable to see four hundred thousand people waiting for you to do your thing. You watch that movie often. I've, I only watched this a second time recently. I, I reviewed it for the Globe all those years ago. Before the show, 
we were watching Santana do Soul Sacrifice. It really, <laughs> it really does bring you back, doesn't it? It is very exciting. Santana as a 22-year-old, that's something else. And you you didn't feel the need to interview any of the artists? You said this is not I did about not. that. No, I did, I did not. Um, and uh, it would have been much to get to be behind the... Just logistically the, difficult. Logistically difficult. It Your credentials would have... I, I'm sure I could get happened, back right? there, uh, and I probably would have. Had Dylan, Dylan, Do you regret Dylan. not going back and meeting some of those people? <sighs> you know, they were there to see us. You know, I think they were really. Uh, it was a oneness about it. I saw Arlo Guthrie in uh, um, a little bit later, and uh, he he remarked about how in awe he was. Uh, really, of, 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 of it, and I think it showed. Did you interview anyone? Other than concert goers? Yes, I did. Who, who, who the would fun they be? thing was, uh, I wrote a story for my last story, my editor Jack Thomas, uh, you know, who I still salute, uh, said to me, uh, I filed something about the kids picking up the, going through the rags that had been left behind and, and just, you know, picking up clothes and stuff and filed that. Jack says, yeah, yeah, fine, fine, Steve. Go get an organizer and ask what they're going to do next year. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. So I went into the into the um, into the where the organizers their uh, little trailer, and I caught one of them. I think it was Lang, and I said to him, "So what's next?" And he said, "Where are you from?" And I said, "From the Globe." He says, "What if we did it at uh, in Provincetown? I love those dunes." And I said, "What?" And he says, "Yeah, I'd love to do it in Provincetown at the dunes." And I said. What are you talking? Right. So I put it in the paper. It, uh, the uh, the uh, the. Uh, so he's already thinking about the future during during this. Yeah. This he. This was on. now Monday evening. The whole thing's over. Okay. So, uh, Sant, uh, um, Jimi Hendrix has played the national anthem. Uh, um, uh, Shanana has performed. There was one, one, two others who had. It was a terrific. There was only thirty, forty thousand kids yeah. left. And uh, to to watch Jimmy, and uh, so they wanted something else beyond that. It's the last night, so he said, "Go find somebody who could say where they're going next." Okay. So he Lang told me, or whoever it was, it may not have been Lang. Said, curly hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, probably Lang. Lang. Like ridiculously curly hair. I don't really okay. remember. He's, he was he he probably stoned because he was so relieved. Just over. He's just over. And don't ask me about the money. I have no idea about the money. I said, well, what about, you know, you caught, you know, like I say, you caught lightning in a bottle. What's what's next? So he said, well, you're from the Globe, Boston? He said, what about Provincetown? Wouldn't it be great on the dunes? So I put it in the paper. Paul Benzequin, who was at WBZ uh, long ago, uh, he, he had a nighttime um, talk show. He, uh, maybe it was... EIBC, but he was on air and he called the guy and he says, Boston's going crazy thinking that you're coming here. The Provincetown Board of Selectmen is going nuts thinking you're coming. He said, well, it was just a dream of mine. I, we haven't really started thinking about it, so it, it didn't get off the ground. Anybody else you talk to? The, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah, I should probably talk to some of the town officials okay. in the town, you know, having them eat a little bit of humble pie. Um, and I and I went and shook hands with Max Max Yasker. He had invited us up to his house 
on Sunday. So you saw him then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we went we went to his house after, I guess, his talk or before his talk. We went up to his house and met him. And oh, that's know, a big deal. It was a big deal. But there was both maybe eight, nine of us. There wasn't, wasn't that many. That's a big deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in any event like that, anyone has snapshots. You can't remember the whole thing, but strangely, if no apparent reason, you'll have snapshots. Snapshots memories. in my mind. Absolutely. What are some of your snapshots yeah. that you bring yeah. away? They, yeah. They're probably random, yeah. and you wouldn't think that anyone would care, but I would care. Thank you. What would you care, yeah. care to share as far as snapshots? Yeah. Well, I think I've gone over them, but my walking up and then seeing the din, and you can't even see where you were because it was just so dusty, uh, the din uh, of all those people and saying to Mark, Mark, I think this is a story. Rome. Yeah, and say, I, I've got to go, you know, do what I know how to do, ask questions, figure out what's going on here, how big is this, or what's going to happen here. I, that That is uh, indelible to my mind. I talked to Mark about it the next day, uh, recently, a couple of days ago, and I, he said, do you remember we picked up a kid and he, uh, he, we were driving away somewhere, and he he said, "Well, I want to go to Woodstock." And you said to him, "You're going in the wrong direction." He said, oh, he, "He said just the randomness of the people whom you whom we met." Uh, I there were some globies there, other globies who were there just to have fun, and I wish I had seen them because it would have been great to be outside the globe enjoying rock and roll with my friends. Was the sound system good? Could you hear the music well? Oh. It was because you never un- know how that's going. Unbelievable! Be. Can you imagine? I've read that the the Beatles at Shea Stadium played on their public announcer system. Right? Can, can you believe this? And th- that was not what was going on at Woodstock in five, five whatever years later in '69. They had to. They had it together. They, they had it together. It was and it was up on those high um, towers. It was so even though they didn't know that they were going to have four hundred thousand people. They had the sound system. They to, had a to terrific do it. sound. Yeah, yeah. He had put. A, they had put a lot of money into that sound system. You're right. If that. I understand it, the, that sound reinforcement was was designed, maybe even made by a, lo- a local Massachusetts person who may still be around. And I, I'd be fun to have him on, on as a guest. Let's take a break and wrap it up here. It's WBZ. Now, what do you say? I look forward to your next syllable with great eagerness. Jay talking with Bradley Jay. WBZ News Radio 1030. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Do you want to talk? About what? 
I'm talking about my life. I'm talking about form. I'm talking about content. I'm talking about interrelationships. I'm talking about God, the devil, hell, heaven. Do you understand? Okay, talk. Jay Talking with Bradley J. WBZ. News Radio 1030. BZ 1249. We're with Stephen Kirchin, Boston Globe superstar for a long time. And one of the, one of his early endeavors was covering Woodstock. We've covered it pretty solidly. I, I want to point out something about Jimi Hendrix. He played on Monday. That was not the idea. As I understand it, his people played hardball because he was so huge at the time. He wanted to be the headliner mm. and go last. Right. But that backfired on him, all right. that playing hardball because right. right. of delays and rain, et cetera. He ended up playing after everyone was gone. He played to fields of trash. It was unbelievable. There's, when I you know, was at the – I remember being in the press tent and Jimmy's coming on and running down to the stage, and I got as close as I could watch so him play. You, so you were – you could put your – Lean against the stage. You could, you could have practically lean against. And stage. you saw Jimi Hendrix. Jim, there he was. That's huge. Yeah, that's yeah. a giant experience yeah. right yeah. there. Well, that's what that's what brought me. I loved rock and roll. Rock and roll spoke to me all the '60s. And so and th it did not work out very well for Jimmy, but it worked out great for you. Yeah. Because you got, you didn't really get that close to anybody until Jimmy. Until Jimmy, and then <laughs> Shana and I, were, and I have a, a friend who played in that band. Uh, he wasn't playing then, but uh, watch out on uh, do their antics. All right, so you leave on Monday? Uh, no, they let me. The Globe won the story. I left on Tuesday. I went into Monticello. Had my so first you got a hotel? Got up first night. I got a motel and oh, that Monticello. Must have been nice. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> had my first. Uh, remember that open turkey sandwich <laughs> at a diner in Monticello? And, uh, and then you headed home. And you had and a, you had a dilemma. Had a, had a, yeah, you you had a, a big news year. Oh, I was amazed. You'd done Chappaquiddick, yeah. and you did Woodstock, mm -hmm. and you didn't expect to make a name for yourself at Woodstock. Mm, no. How, by the way, how much uh, notoriety did you get for your coverage of that? Was that significant? Well, I did get a lot of kudos, uh, you know, uh, uh, that we were there. You know, the, If here, you hadn't been there, the Globe wouldn't have been the there. The Globe would not have been there. We wouldn't have been there for Saturday Story. Uh, and they may have been, for Monday, you know, for Sunday, we may have sent up but it would have been tough for the reporter, and we had complete coverage. And I'm, you know, that's my paper. Uh, I grew up in Dorchester. Globe was in Dorchester then, and I always felt proud that, you know, nothing got uncovered uh, in in our area that we cared about. So uh, I got a lot of attaboys when I got home. So you're driving home yeah. thinking, well, I got this pretty good news <laughs> thing going on right. here, but yeah. I'm going to law school. Exactly. I, I have to make a decision. And I did. I did. I thought to myself. You know, I was going to my last year of law school, I was nights at Suffolk, and uh, I was uh, making my name as really enjoying the coverage. And I started thinking about what I had gotten out of Woodstock and Chappaquiddick. And in both events, I had used uh, this training as a reporter to get stories we would not have otherwise gotten had I not had good training and working for a great newspaper and with great individual, you know, mentors at the papers. So I said, you know, I'll, I'll get my degree, and I'm, we'll try and pass the bar, uh, but I'm staying on. And within a year, the Globe started the Spotlight Team, and because of my law school training, they asked not because I covered Woodstock, uh, but they because I had my law school training. They said asked me to join it. And there were three of us, four of us. Good. So and, you and made I, the right decision. Made a terrific, so you, you terrific career, and live in Boston. 
families in Boston, kids are in Boston, grandkids are in Boston, uh, and uh, still, you know, uh, enjoy being part of the city and, and, you know, going to Fenway and going to the museums and seeing my my friends and family. It's a terrific experience. Real briefly, how did you happen to, did you stumble upon Chappaquiddick's story like you stumbled upon the Woodstock story, or, or was that a more formal setup? No. <laughs> of course, I'll come back for that. Uh, my family had a summer home in Plymouth, and I always thought they called me on a Saturday to go down to do some digging on it, but it was no, because of my law school training, but no, years later, the editor who called me said, no, you were closest to the to the ferry, so we sent you, and I get some stories for the Globe Fund. So, so. Um, next, uh, might as well talk a little bit about your, your book on the heist. Oh, thank you for asking. Of course, because there's a... You have a book available, yeah, and, and you are a trained reporter and law-savvy guy. It, it, it perfect guy to write right. that book, it too. Perfect. And my father was an artist. My late dad was an artist. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, and I uh, loved the museum, went to Vespa George uh, School of Art in the South End and would go over to the Gardner Museum almost every night, every afternoon to study the, the masterpieces. And, uh, you know, years later, having won Pulitzer's and all, all, the, all the kudos, he said, stay on that story. To get that artwork back is, would be important. So I felt uh, with his, uh, uh, you know, with his good, uh, you know, his blessings, it was the right move. So I st covered it for the Globe uh, for 10 years. When I retired in 2007, um, I started, you know, thought I could, maybe I could solve it, help solve it. And uh, that's a very hard work as... Uh, the museum's investigator and the FBI worked diligently on it. But I thought there was a hell of a story there. So I wrote a book in 2015, and it's gotten some, you know, pretty good kudos. So what's the book's angle, if there's... The book's angle is that despite all the investigative and they've followed all the leads, there's only one way to solve this crime, and that is to tell the public that it, the Boston public, has an obligation. These masterpieces were put on the walls of that that of those galleries for us. Mrs. Gardner's one transcendent expression was get Americans to believe in art because it's, we're a runaway, a runaway success in the Industrial Revolution, but without, without an appreciation of art, we will never survive the ages. You know, and she said, art survives. Everything else passes, but art endures. And she wanted us, us Americans, us Bostonians, to love art. So they, she, that she, her millions went to, to get us to appreciate art. And now they're gone. We have got to challenge Boston. You know, the haves and the have-nots. Everyone with what I, I consider two main figures, two men of redemption. One, Cardinal O'Malley, and the other is, um, is Mayor Walsh, who is a recovering 25 years in recovery, 30 years in recovery, alcoholic. Get them in front of those empty frames on the second floor of the Gardner Museum and say to Boston, you have to return these paintings. It's for us, all of us. Michelangelo did not come from the upper class, nor did Van Gogh. You don't know where our next Van Gogh comes from. And that child, that grandchild of ours, needs to appreciate all that. It is our obligation to get that artwork. So the only way it's going to happen is Community policing. Absolutely. Yeah, abs the same thing that happened with the Ice Bucket Challenge that, that raised $80 million 
for ALS research in that one summer of 2014, when everybody was talking about it, that same um, mission has to be take place to get this artwork back. It's our last. It's our last. It's our major loss. So you need to spark a wave of conscience. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. A wave of conscience is a nice way of, of expressing it. And I don't have the book in my bag. What is the title? M Master Thieves. Master Thieves. And it's extremely detailed. You yeah. covered it for yeah. many yeah. years, right, right. and you're a lawyer and, and, uh, a, yep. and an, an investigative, investigative reporter. Mm -hmm. So it, nothing's going to be more detailed. No, no. It, it, covers, uh, it covers the various uh, 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 gangs whose names have been associated, where the idea came from, who likely pulled it off, and why it hasn't been recovered. So if you haven't met Stephen before, now you know Stephen, when you read the book, you'll know the author, and that's pretty cool too. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Well, uh, really refreshing to have you in. As I was telling you, there have been callers that call in to talk about Woodstock, but not being trained, they don't have the detail that I I require. Yeah. <laughs> and let me say, I was sober the entire time. I was too busy to... to right, that's probably a big help. Yeah, it was a very big help. And I guess that's it. Uh, appreciate it. 617-254-1030 if you'd like to... Uh, any, anybody else was there. I didn't want to take calls during the hour because I, you know, time was precious with Stephen. But now, if you were there, or if you have any thoughts on the time and how the the people of the time rose to the occasion to get along, you think we could do that now? Clearly, in '99 we couldn't. That was a disaster. And I have some other uh, things. We're actually going to play a grab bag in a little while. That's right, Glenn. 617-254-1030. Stephen, I can't thank you enough. Great to be here, Bradley. I'll, be, I'll listen all, all night. It's WBZ. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.